Welcome to Bite Sized, a cybersecurity Q&A presented to you by Kroll and Moore. Our goal is to take the complex world of government contracts, cybersecurity, and break it down into bite-sized pieces. My name is Evan Wolf. And I'm Michael Gruden. Every few weeks, we'll take one question that we frequently hear from our clients and give you a short, simple answer and explain why it matters. Some of you might have heard of CISA or seen emails from CISA or directives, et cetera. You might be wondering, what does that stand for? Evan, can you answer that? Sure. The CISA stands for the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. Uh, it's the, it, some may think it's a, a brand new uh, federal agency or department or component, but actually it isn't. It's a part of the federal government that was created when the Department of Homeland Security was stood up in 2001. It's gone through some renaming process. And I guess we should, Michael and I should disclose that we both worked at DHS and actually both supported parts of some of the predecessors of CISA. It originally started off as a part of DHS called the Information Analysis and Infrastructure Protection Directorate, IAIP. Um, most recently, it was the National Protection and Programs Directorate, NPPD. And, and so, uh, and, and CISA was a transition to a more operational element than, than NPPD was and wanted to really focus on cybersecurity and critical infrastructure across the federal program. Um, there are some very clear goals that CISA has in terms of focusing on the, uh, the national security and the risks to national security from our physical infrastructure and cybersecurity infrastructure. And, and that was the, the formal change was made in, on November 16th of 2018 when CISA came into being, I will say one of the uh, more predominant and prominent feature uh, uh, advocates for CISA was a Kroll and Mooring alum, Suzanne Spalding, who at the time was the last undersecretary of NPPD before, before CISA came into existence. And the, the last CISA director was, of course, Chris Krebs, and, uh, and it's currently run by Jen Easterly. CISA has a, a, a really unique role, but why do government contractors care so much about CISA and why is everyone focusing on what they're saying? Michael, can you explain that to everyone? Yeah, great question, Evan. As a former contracting officer at DHS, I can definitely state that it's important that contractors keep apprised of CISA developments. One of the reasons being CISA leads the federal cybersecurity team that protects and defends the federal civilian government network. So essentially as a government contractor, if you're doing business with the federal government, CISA is responsible and tasked with protecting and securing that network. As a result, they coordinate and execute the national cyber defense and lead asset response for significant cyber incidents. As a result, they actually also is issue binding operational directives. So when there are specific attacks that occur or there are specific threats, they will actually issue these binding directives and they may be deployed down also to the contractor level. So Evan, what are recent developments occurring at CISA? Yeah, CISA has been very busy the last few years. Um, and, and I think I'm just gonna talk about three areas that I think are relevant to government contractors. The first is DHS has issued binding operational directives or BODs, which is perhaps one of the best acronyms in government. And, and it's a compulsory direction to an agency for the purpose of safeguarding federal information and information systems uh, from a known or reasonably suspected information security threat. So basically it allows DHS to direct other federal agencies to take certain actions, whether it's to ban certain software or in the case of SolarWinds to, to, to patch certain networks. They've done it a few times. They don't use the authority a lot, 
but it does cover a lot of ground and it, and it is pretty important. And it does have a trickle down to government contractors if the government contractors are supporting or operating federal information systems as a part of their scope of work. Second, uh, CISA has civil subpoena authority. So again, I think they've only used it a few times, but it can issue administrative subpoenas uh, and, and require, require entities to, to, to produce information necessary. Um, and it's really focused on critical infrastructure. Um, and last, uh, CISA is also responsible for um, uh, maintaining and updating the National Cyber Incident Response Plan or the uh, big IRP in the sky, as I like to think of it. Um, and, and also uh, there's been a recent, the recent executive order 14028, you know, provides some additional sort of expectation for what, what CISA will be doing in this area. There's other, they also can issue emergency directives. They most recently did that for the mitigation of the log4j vulnerability. And they do a whole lot of other things, but, but those are some of the important pieces. So with that, uh, we're going to wrap up today. Thank you for joining Bitesize Q&A. We're going to be back in your feed in a few weeks with a new question and a simple explanation. In the meantime, you can find more information on our website, or if you have any questions on today's episode or suggestions on what we could cover next, please let us know. I can be reached at 202-624-2615, and Michael can be reached at 202-624-2545. Everyone have a safe week. This has been Bite Size Q&A, a podcast brought to you by Curl and Mooring. You can find more information at crawl.com slash cyberpodcast. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you listen to podcasts. And if you enjoy our show, please leave us a review.